The Writer's Room, a 7th C podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc.com forward slash 7th C and use the code WRITER10 for 10% off your next site-wide purchase. Limit one per customer. Hello, friends. Come on in. I hope you said hello to Officer Durs on the way in. And thank you, Officer Cheshire, for making the door extra creaky today. Friends, today is a big episode. And I have a special announcement in the mid-reel, so don't skip it this time. Otherwise, you'll miss it. Your chair is nice and comfy, thanks to Officer Raven. Your tea is piping hot, or ice cold, however you prefer it, thanks to Officer Nightingale. The stuffy that you prefer is ready and waiting for your hugs of death, thanks to Officer Covington. And because of the efforts of Officer Stewart and Tarkin, there is no dairy in this establishment. Oh, and the hearth is nice and toasty, thanks to Officer Thrith. Now, Officer V, the book, if you please. I see it's already on my desk and open already where we need to... All right, I get the message. The last time we left off, I do believe there were a lot of secrets that were divulged. We found out what Coco was. We found out a little bit more about Angelica and what she's done in her past involving a certain devil. And we got a little bit closer to the crew. Now, we're going to continue right where we left off, in the middle of preparations for their arrival to Numa, and whatever lies ahead. Oh, and after the mid-reel, it is going to get very loud with the sound effects, so do be aware of that. There's combat, there's explosions, you know the drill. Let's begin, shall we? Article 8. Seven Ships in a Storm. Diego, now Amboise has told you where the drawer is, and that you can use it without Amboise being there. It's been marked, it's been pretty much set up so that all you have to do is put whatever you want in the drawer to be transferred then to the opposite, and vice versa. You can open the drawer whenever you want to check it. There's no, like, bell or, like, light indicator saying that, oh, hey, the drawer's full. Wesley does not show up and be like, your inbox is full. It's the twang (laughs) message for you, sir. (laughs) And when you go to check the drawer this time, it only opens like maybe a quarter of the way because it's full. It's stuck. And so you gingerly reach your hand in to push down whatever is getting caught and you pull the drawer out and there are several tablets. There's one for you. There's one for Paco. There's one for Alejandro. There's one for El Tigre. There's one for Enrique. There's one for Angelica. And there's another one for you. But it's not in Liliana's handwriting. Well, that one can obviously wait. Are you sure? I mean, Diego's pretty sure that that one can wait. I'm gonna ask you one more time. Oh, (laughs) no. Are you sure? Zoe, this man is so horny. (laughs) He's so in love. While Diego is 
hurriedly going through them all to make sure he sorts them out to who and gets the order right so that handing them out is easy. He does end up reading enough of it to figure out who it would go to. It's to you. And the first words that you read are Ola, Poppy, but some of the letters are written backwards. I'm sorry. All of the other chalkboards can wait. That's what I thought, baby boy. <laughs> it's a clatter of chalkboards. <laughs> they all fall to the ground. Yep. Hey, Durs. What is Diego's son's name? Inigo Paco Tulio Enrique Alejandro Iglesias. Oh. It's written in Castilian, and some of the letters are either upside down or written backwards. But the letter reads thus. Hola, papi. I can't wait to meet you. Mommy told me all about you. She tells me you're a sword fighter. I like swords a lot. I want you to teach me how to sword fight. In the center of the chalkboard, there is a little drawing of a few stick figures. One is of you with your sword. One is of Liliana singing in a dress. And the other is a smaller version of you with a sword. And mommy will sing to us, and we'll have dinners together, and we'll be a big family again. I love you so much. Now, your son's signature, while endearing, is a little smushed together because he's almost run out of room on the tablet. And there are smudge marks where it has been rewritten in Liliana's script so that it can fit. He really wanted to put his entire name there and would not settle for anything else. Nigo Paco Tulio Enrique Alejandro Iglesias. Diego, you have found your son. So while the other chalkboards will end up being read and eventually erased and written on and jammed right back in the drawer... That one Diego is going to keep and hang up in his room. Okay. I love it so much. In Liliana's letter to you, she does mention that she could not stop him from writing to you. As much as she wanted him to practice his letters a little bit more. <laughs> uh, she also apologizes for all of the chalkboards and uh, tells you to tell Amboise that she'll send cookies next time. Specifically for him, for all the work that he's doing. <laughs> Question for a day. Mm. Having spent all this time on the ship, I feel like Diego would recognize what sort of dessert to suggest. So if it is cookies, is that's what, you know, makes Amboise happy, then absolutely. But if there's some other dessert or treat. So... While there are other treats that he would probably like, given his magic relies on losing blood very often, what's the thing that you always do after you donate blood? You get a cookie. Sugar, Sugar cookies. Mm-hmm. So he'd prefer it, probably. So Diego will mention the fondness for sugar cookies and begin to explain his idea to be disguised as a doctor with a nice plague mask so people don't question his not belonging there. Fantastic. Do you pass out the other notes to uh, the Iglesias brothers? Oh yes, absolutely. 
Throughout the ship, we can hear gritos as they're getting more excited as they read. And every once in a while, there'll just be a pitter-patter of feet as one Iglesias brother meets up with the other one and is like, Did you read it? What did she say to you? And they, like, exchange letters. <laughs> so they all end up in the galley, and they're all sitting there, really serious-faced. What do we do? We only have so much space. I mean, we could combine all of them together. Yes, let's do that! Which brother has the smallest, neatest handwriting? El Tigre is the one who does the annotations for their music. Nice. He's used to the tiny writing and having things be accurate and small. El Tigre eventually just takes the piece of chalk and a knife and whittles the piece of chalk so that it's a pencil point and just starts writing. <laughs> but yeah, after a while they finish their four tablet long letter <laughs> from all four of them and hand you the stack. Hermano, how often can we send these? Can we do this all the time? Can we send food? I was thinking about that myself, and she lives in the palace. She has everything in Castile she could ask for. I'll tell you what she doesn't have in that fancy palace of hers. My churros. He storms into the kitchen, snaps his fingers, and is like, Let's make churros! Vamanos! Diego fucking loves churros. This is the best <laughs> excuse. They only make churros for Liliana. Oh, because they know that you'll just eat the whole fucking basket. It's not good for you. Can't fight with a belly full of churros. When there's a will, there's a way. But it wouldn't be as good. What does my letter say? Request. Our letters were written in Castilian. But since Liana knows multiple languages, and what helped bond with Angelica initially is... Vodachi is your original language? That's correct. Yeah, so it would be written in Vodachi. And that's absolutely canon. Your letter is in Vodachin. Your letter is pretty formal to begin with. Hi, how are you? How's everything? I heard that you got a ship. Right near the back end of the letter, she tells you that she is concerned by the presence of the Villanovas in Castile. They have visited the castle several times and met with the king and the cardinal. And there is some kind of plot afoot. She knows that you can take care of yourself, but she's keeping you abreast of your uncle's happenings while you are away. And the postscript reads, Don't use your normal routes into Castile. There is apparently a civil war between the nation and the ATC. Sorry for the trouble. Whoopsie. <laughs> Yeah, oh boy, that's real weird. <laughs> you can, like, hear her tone in it, too. She's like, uh, yeah, there's a war going on. Wonder how that started. Cool. I don't think she writes back. She's got other things to plan for right now. Diego is happy to use your chalkboard for more space for the Iglesias <laughs> brothers. She reserves, like, a two-inch section at the bottom that just A-X-O. <laughs> Dala, a camera will transition into your quarters as you're tending to Amboise, because Amboise has come back from the ways, and he is once again bleeding, as always. And she is not surprised in the least. I feel like it's very routine at this point, because it always, like, looks the same, right? Every time? Yeah. I imagine it's a pretty silent exchange of Amboise just making eye contact with Dala, kind of gesturing, like, oh, again? Okay. Come on in. Patches him up. Maybe asks where he was? But only if he's shared in the past where he goes. If not, she is not going to pry. 
he shared in the past, and this one he would easily share because it has to do with Diego, so. But yeah, I think Dal is just a very companionable silence kind of person. <laughs> All right. Give me that scene. Camera's on you guys now. Soft rustling for five straight minutes as neither of them say anything. <laughs> Midway through. Oh, uh, hey, Dala. Mm-hmm? By any chance, and I do not mean to be rude about this, but I was looking at some of the notes that you left, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what anything that you wrote means. Yeah. Your eyes look like L's and your L's look like Q's and I, mm, I don't know how you do it. Hmm. That's a new one. I can fix it. We can sit down if you want and if you want to rewrite it and I'll tell you what it says. That handwriting's not going to get any better. Well, then I will just have to learn. It's your choice. Sometimes it changes. It's just bad. I'm sorry. Did It changes. Sometimes I write faster than I can think, and the words sort of all blur together, and the letters get messed up, and I just get excited. And then I don't fix it. I would say consistency is key, but you are the specialist. I'm not going to judge. I could use a clearer explanation of what you meant. I can do that. There's diagrams. There's... The map. I drew a map. How did you draw that serpent thingy? Why did you draw that serpent thingy? For fun. It wasn't in the book. That was on the map that I drew and added. You mean to tell me that you drew map art? Yeah. I love you. You can't read her handwriting for shit, but there's doodles everywhere. I fucking love it. I love it. That's the cutest thing in the world. Aren't there supposed to be, like, fun serpents in the ocean parts of maps? Yeah. There's definitely little, like, doodled water lines in the ocean parts (laughs) and little mountains. (laughs) This is canon. This is fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. Half of Dala's mannerisms are just coming from everybody else and me yes-anding. We apologize in advance. No, I love it. It's a crowdsourced character. I think the camera has been like slowly panning out so that now we can see the threshold of the door. And that's when Mallory steps in front. Oh, I didn't know if you, you, um, you seem busy. Mallory is clutching something between their hands. I can come back later. That's all right. Dala will start finishing up on Amboise, re-rolling up the extra gauze and stuff. Actually, Doctor, your arrival is very well timed. Sorry, it took me a second to figure out which doctor you were talking to. <laughs> me too! I was waiting! Yes! We got it! Put it on the counter! Make a counter! Which doctor is which? It's happened at least <laughs> once already, so we get to have two. Both of them look yes. up when Amboise says that. <laughs> and then Dala looks back down when she realizes it's not about her. Just kind of nods to herself like, oh right. I said arrival. Yes, that, that did cute clue me in, but, um, yeah, all right, I understand. What what exactly can I do for you? Now, this is the second time I've had to apologize to a doctor today, so I apologize in advance. You are easily the single smartest person that I have met in the entirety of my existence. Why are you apologizing for the truth? And see, this, this is exactly why I like you so much. I need your unique insights on some things. All right. I happen to be 
attempting to find some tools and resources to deal with people that can cause us harm. Well, that causes harm. That's a lot of people. Specifically of my variety. Porte sorciers? Porte sorciers, hexencraft people, the whole gamble. All right. And, um, what, what is your query? Well, I'll have to gather the rest of the documentation so I can show it to you, but my query essentially is, how feasible is this? And do you think it is a good idea? They see the map, and the map kind of interests them. What exactly are you looking for? Uh, for all intents and purposes, from what they've understood, a sword. A sword? Are you looking for a specific sword, Mr. Pendragon? That is what I am not really sure of. All signs from what I've read about this and what people have told me from what they've read about it say yes. Like I said, smartest person I know. I have seen a version of this map. Dollar's interpretation is a little bit more um, inventive. You wouldn't happen to be searching for the Sword of Achilles, would you? That is what they were calling it, yes. Savre? Well, I might not be the person who can help you, but I think I know someone who can. I'll say it a third time, smartest person that I know. Mr. Pendragon, before I ever set to sea, I used to work in Castile, and um, my roommate was a member of the Explorer Society. And when I fled Castile, I fled on their boat. They were already leaving, and he was happy to take me with them. My good friend Esteban was searching for the sword of Achilles when he left Castile. He's followed many a foolish venture, but I don't think this is one of them. If anybody knows the sword you're looking for, it's probably him. And do you have an easy way to get in contact with him? Um, no, I, I sort of fled his ship in the dead of night, and I haven't seen him since. You fled... Okay. I don't know if he still works in Castile, but he's definitely on the water. He definitely received funding from the ATC for some time, but I hope you understand he is not one of their friends. Mm. I am assuming that you believe him to still be alive then, yes? Oh, certainly. He's adventurous, but he's not stupid. Mm. Well, not stupid enough to die. Mm. Not stupid enough to die yet. He's very smart. He is very smart, but does he have a dollar? Uh, no. No, mm -hmm. he, no, I suppose not. Not last I checked. It's been several years. Three years? Thereabouts. So there's roughly a 15% chance that he is still around. Okay. A 15... Uh, I would set his odds a little bit higher than that. You don't know the man. Does he have a dollar? He has a good ship and a good crew last I checked. Mm. Well, I was more of a liability to him. No, the Explorer Society tends to look out very well for each other, and he has good ties within it. Uh, he's not like us, sailing alone, making enemies of everyone we come across. He's a part of a much larger organization. And you would trust him? With my life. Well, good enough for me. I mean, that all being said, I don't know where he is, but if I was to find him again, then I'm sure he would have many a good thing to tell you about the sword, if he doesn't have it already. Under his breath. Well, for his sake, let's hope that he does not. Ah, okay. That, that is actually slightly sore. Hmm. But uh, thank you, Doctor, and thank you, Doctor. I, I have some things I'm going to need to attend to and think about for a little while. And makes his way out. Dala turns to Mallory after Amboise leaves. 
Dr. McCoy, if this is about your door, I plan to have it fixed before we leave the next port. Um, no, no, Dr. Dalla, that, no, I very much appreciate that. This is about, uh, the other thing. Oh, the other thing. Well, it was all very spur of the moment, and I, I don't know exactly how much you saw, and I, I, I just wanted to talk to you. Dalla will go close her door, which I would imagine to you anyone on the ship means that she's, like, talking to someone in, like, a doctor-patient kind of way of, like, doc first. HIPAA privacy laws, baby. Yeah! <laughs> it's usually serious when your door is closed. You have a very open door policy. Yeah. Dalla's going to rifle through her patient records. We've established she has kind of, like, all these notebooks, and she's going to find Mallory's and pull it out. And then she's also going to grab one of her, like, personal notebooks that she has for just, like, general note-taking or drawings or whatever. So she's got both with her. And she's going to sit down. Are you going to write this down? Only if you're okay with it. I thought maybe some of the more sensitive stuff I could have recorded somewhere else, not in relation to you, in one of my books of other stuff. If anyone ever found it, it wouldn't be connected to you, and no one dares to touch my stuff anyway. Can you write it in your native language? I don't think anyone else here speaks it. Well, for the most part. No one who wants to go rifling around, I do think. Sure. I was going to say you can read it before you leave, but we just agreed I'm going to put it in a different language. Oh, Mallory can read it. <laughs> they can read all Feyen languages, both living and dead. But no one can read Dallas' handwriting, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but those eagle eyes, though. It's double safe. That is a language even beyond Mallory. <laughs> <laughs> you can look them over before you leave, and I can not include anything you're not comfortable with. All right. Deal. And she'll, like, prop open both books, look at Mallory. Where do you want to start? Well, um, I suppose, um... You could sort of help me with something while I'm here, sort of in relation to this. They pull the bangs back and allow Dalla to get, like, a proper doctor's look at the second pair of eyes. She's very politely trying to contain her excitement, but this is so cool. <laughs> I think she kind of falls into, like, holding Mallory under the chin, kind of moving their head around, doing the thing with her finger and like having Mallory watch her finger as she moves it to see how the eyes move, takes down notes, and is just kind of going through the usual motions of like a doctor's checkup, but focused on Mallory's eyes. They're sort of mine, but they also sort of belong to a friend of mine. And, well, he's very sick right now, and I was wondering if you could, um, I was wondering if you could help me and help him a bit. I can try. I'm not really sure how much you can get from this, but uh, I've got his eyes and I've got, um... All right, you really can't tell anyone about this, all right? <laughs> Dala's gonna hold up her pinky finger. <gasps> Mallory takes a hand and does a pinky promise with Dala. And because they are no longer clasping their hands together, you can see held tight in the other one is a small blue stone that is faintly and weakly pulsing. She's gonna squeeze Mallory's pinky finger a little bit and kind of do a little shake and then hold her hands out so gently for this stone. I'm not going to give you it, but you can very gently 
touch it very gently. Okay. I think that's his heartbeat, if that tells you anything at all. And I've got the eyes. I don't know if that'll tell you anything about sickness or illness or just what he needs, but he's very weak and hasn't really been saying a lot. And I think, well, I think Tia got to him, but also, but also he's been losing strength for some time. And I don't know if there's anything you could tell me that I wouldn't already know. Dahl is going to put her hand underneath Mallory's hand holding the stone and then put her other hand on top. So she's not taking it away. She's just like holding it within Mallory's hand and see if she feels anything. If it feels like a heartbeat, if anything happens. Oh, something happens. Oh boy. She stands perfectly still. She's breathing perfectly fine. Mallory, you notice that Dala's eyes slightly roll into the back of her head. Ooh, um, I'm sorry. Dala. Yes? The moment that you touch the stone, you're transported to a new place. Hmm, not what I was expecting. You're standing on a beach. There are waves that you can see, but it's like muted. It's like you're looking at something through a foggy glass. There's palm trees, and there's a lighthouse. And this lighthouse appears to be made of shadows, different shades of gray. It's like mist rising up off the ocean. And behind you, you hear a voice. Hello there, Doctor. Can she turn around? There's a man standing there with drained lavender skin and frozen blueberry lips with these sockets that are just billowing out this blue, dark, gray, starry smoke. He's wearing a suit, a very nice tailored kind of deal. It is a bit disheveled, though. The necktie isn't as tight as it should be. The cuffs are a little ragged. One of the lapels is bent in a strange manner. And he stands pretty much prim and proper as much as he can. He is favoring one side and then the other as if it is taxing for him to stand up. You must be Mallory's friend. In the flesh. It's nice to meet you. I'm Dala. I know. Pleasure to finally meet you. It's okay that I'm here? If it wasn't... You wouldn't be. Just checking. Do forgive my curtness. I am not myself as of late. We'll get it figured out. I certainly hope so. Let's not dither any longer. And he takes off the jabot, which is, for those who are listening and don't know what that is, it's the big frilly cuff neck thing, opens up the jacket, opens up his shirt, and you see that stone, but it's embedded in his chest, and there are terrible scar marks, as though... It has been clawed out by some sharp object, and it is beating at maybe 70 beats per minute. It is very slow. He appears to be lethargic, he appears to be sluggish, and he's looking a little gaunt in the cheeks. Are there any, like, rocks or anything nearby where we could sit? As you're thinking about that, the whole beach disappears and you're now inside the lighthouse, seated at a chair, while he is also seated in front of you. Wow. Efficient. You are in my mindscape. I can conjure whatever it is that you need. Although it's not real. And it won't exist outside of this space. I think Dala would just start doing the same thing she just did to Mallory. Do like a very cursory like examination. Does she have one of her notebooks on her in this place? I'll go ahead and say yes. She's going to take notes. Mallory, as uh, Dala is standing there, pretty much stock still, 
eyes in the back of her head. One hand lets go of the underside of yours. The other hand stays on the stone. And over on the desk, you see it move over to one of the journals and begin writing. Oh, nice. All right. Hell yeah. Too bad Mallory can't read. (laughs) (laughs) The reason you can't read it is because she's so excited she's writing as fast as she can. That's what I'm saying. The handwriting is absolutely abysmal. (laughs) It's just one constant line. There's no spaces between words. Yes, it's shorthand. It's Dala's doctor shorthand. (laughs) No one can read that shit. (laughs) And she's also not looking at it. So she's just writing blindly. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Tell me or... Show me anything I need to know, and then I'll ask you a couple of questions. I suppose I should inform you of any pre-existing conditions. First and foremost, I am the Devi of Knowledge, and I made the seventh deal a long time ago. This means I have a human body. However, the subtext of that final deal also ensured I would never be able to physically leave the lighthouse. What Mallory can interact with, and what you have seen on your ship, are mere shadows. Projections of myself, as it were. All this to say that what you are looking at now is my physical body. But unfortunately, I can only show you in the realm of dreams. And you are holding my heart, quite literally, And thus, I am able to connect with you in the way that I can with Mallory. Alright. You have a human body. It's just not present. Dala starts taking notes. Why is your heart a stone, then? (laughs) Excellent question. Contrary to the Church's slander, Devi are not born from hellfire and brimstone. We are stars that have fallen. I was the seventh to fall. Okay, so you're a star person. She writes this down and underlines it and puts some stars next to it. Are those from your fall? And she'll point to the scars on his chest. Yes, and I had to tear my own heart out in order to escape oblivion. Oh, that sounds horrible. Is it okay if I take a closer look? By all means. Coco leans back and relaxes in the chair as much as possible as you approach and begin to examine a little closer. Mallory says you might be sick and that you're not able to talk to them as much. When did this start happening? (sighs) I'd say a few months after leaving the lighthouse. I had to get used to manifesting my form, so... There was, of course, an acclimation period of a few weeks, but once I mastered it, I could hold my form for up to a day. Now, I can barely keep myself together for an hour. Dala, your examination reveals that there's no external reason for Coco to be sick. There's no infection in any of his wounds, and there's nothing seeping or openly bleeding. However... He is showing signs of extreme exhaustion, as though he is running out of energy. She sits back down and starts drawing a little sketch of his torso. Have you done anything outside of that? Anything strenuous? Well, I did push a stubborn bookshelf, 
and fight off some inquisitors. I held them off, but began coughing blood, and I lost the form before I could get back to Mallory. And then Tia tried to steal Mallory's faith thread, but I wasn't going to allow that to happen. Coco gestures to his forehead, where there appears to be a whiplash or some kind of thread-like scar across it. And while it might have happened only hours ago, it looks as though it is long since healed. You took mine instead. But your fate thread is back now, right? Yes, your captain was quick to return it to me. And how are you feeling after that? I feel... tired. You must understand that Devi do not sleep, so the concept of this level of exhaustion baffles me. Okay, you don't sleep. Do you eat? Is there something you subsist off of? <laughs> a delightful query. Yes and no. As a star, genuine wishes sustain me for a few millennia. As a Devi, it was favors. Specifically involving knowledge, and the pursuit of it, of course, but... I have already achieved all I can in making deals, and... You can't find genuine wishes at the market nowadays. Hmm. I have a few ideas. Do tell. I would know them already, but out of respect for you and Mallory, I will not go invading your thoughts. Not unless asked. I appreciate that. Dalit notes down, mind reader? So, I think you might be starving? You need energy, and you're showing signs of physical exhaustion because you're pushing yourself beyond what you can do right now. Your tank is empty, or getting very close to it, so we need to find you some fuel. It's an interesting theory. Dala, Coco is leaning even more into his chair, and his speech patterns are drifting further and further apart. Any others? My only other thought is your heart needs to be back with your body. Do you think you need to go back to the lighthouse? <sighs> I'd rather not return to my cage. But I'm willing to do whatever it takes to ease Mallory's mind. Me too. Let's get you some food first and see if that fixes it. We'll figure this out. I have no doubt, Miss Bronson. I'm afraid that our time has come to an end. Is there anything I can do for you in exchange for your time? Resting, however you can. <sighs> Doctor's orders. Thank you. Of course. Rest well, Coco. The image of the lighthouse and the world around you begins to dissolve like a fog illustration on a window. And the man in front of you begins to also dissolve, but into star smoke as the billowing plumes from his eyes grow worse and worse, encompassing his entire form. And when you close your eyes, you are back in the infirmary with Dr. McCoy sitting in front of you. Mallory, Dalla's eyes return to normal as she returns to the present. What What was that? What happened? I met your friend. You got to talk to him? 
Like, actually talk to him. Yeah. Oh my god. <sighs> Alright, so that was Coco, if that wasn't clear. A lot of things make sense now. What did you think of him? He's lovely. How was he? He's tired, but he's okay. I think maybe he's hungry, and if we try to provide him with some of the things that keep him going, it might help. It's so simple, I never... I suppose I never thought of it that way. Well, fuel might be hard to come by. He is a star, after all. I'm gonna see what I can do. Got a lot to work with. She kind of gestures to the notebook full of chicken scratch. (laughs) I've got some ideas. He is very far from home. Not unlike you, I suppose. You and me and the rest of us. Do you miss your home at all? Yeah. Because you've been on this ship longer than I have. And, God, I miss Avalon terribly. I miss it a lot. I used to try not to think about it, but I think that makes it worse. What do you do when you're hungry for something that can only be found at home? I guess I just try to make it wherever I am, even if it's not the same. She'll turn around her notebook so that Mallory can go over stuff and, like, kind of scribble out and redact anything. (laughs) I think she tried to be good, though. When talking to Coco, like, when he said that he was a demon, like, she didn't write that down. Or, like, certain things of, like, I will remember this. I don't need to put it on paper. And kind of did some vagaries in her writing in case anyone found it could speak the language, and could understand her handwriting. (laughs) I like the idea that the name on it is so, like, poorly written that, in theory, this could be another person on board the crew that maybe just isn't here anymore. Darla, you're not a doctor by trade, are you? At least not originally. No. I kind of just... That is not a knock on your skill by any measure. No, it's okay. It's, It's pretty obvious to anyone who's met any kind of medical doctor before me. I kind of just fell into it. When you're on a small ship, you have to wear a lot of hats. Well, for your lack of education, you certainly wear this one well. What were you trained for? I guess technically I wasn't officially trained to be anything except somebody's wife someday. But my dad secretly taught me how to chop wood and carve things and work with metal and I would sneak out at night and he would teach me how to use the forge I like the sound of your father somebody's wife yeah but I mean I I suppose that's not to knock anyone who just wants to be a wife but um I was also sort of on the track for housewifery but um my sisters excelled at that a little more than I did but did um hmm When you say someone's wife. I'm sure he's a great guy. I never really met him. My family picked him out. It was a whole thing. I, uh, I left before I could meet him to the, uh, utter disdain of the rest of my family. (laughs) At least I think so. I haven't talked to most of them since. Where do they think you are? I don't know. I'm sure... Some of them probably assume I'm dead somewhere or being a a harlot somewhere else. But my dad caught me on my way out. I thought he was going to stop me. But I told him about my plan, and he packed up some extra stuff for me and saw I was on my way safely. I don't know what he told the rest of my family, so 
I think everybody needs someone in their corner like that. Yeah, me too. Do you regret leaving? No. I'd be miserable if I had stayed. I didn't want to make someone else in my life miserable too. Like I said, I'm sure the guy was fine. He would have been a fine husband, but I just couldn't do it. After I left, I'm sure his family set him up with an equally good girl somewhere, and he's having a great life. Well, I don't know about equally good. (laughs) Dala, both literally and metaphorically, I do not think there is another woman on your level. Thank you. That means a lot. I want to be that person in everyone's corner. All of you. Everyone needs it, you're right. Then Dala, I must confess to an ulterior motive. Hmm? The captain is not happy with me, nor is she happy with what I've brought on board this ship. And she has her reasons for it, but um, if push comes to shove, I might need somebody strong in my corner. Or at least someone to help me off the boat. I can do that. And she's gonna hold up her pinky in like a reminder. (laughs) Mallory nods, sort of choked up. Dala will look away politely. (laughs) This is perfect. Thank you. Thank you for everything, Dala. Of course. And come back if anything changes. I will. I'll let you know if I come up with anything. Thank you. You'll be the first person I go to. Mallory takes the stone back, gives Dala some awkward mix of a bow and a curtsy and leaves. Mallory, before you leave, you stop at the threshold and turn around. And when you speak to Dala, it is not your voice that comes out. Mm -hmm. Dala, Mm. you hear Coco say, Your father is very proud of you. Dala doesn't say anything because she's the one who's choked up now. I think she just kind of nods and tries to slyly wipe her eyes before the tears come and then kind of shuffles Mallory out and closes the door behind them. And the camera transitions to watch as the Thorn makes ready for their night voyage. The skeleton crew takes their posts. We watch as Mallory heads to the armory, where Diego is waiting patiently to teach them. And the rest of the officers bed down for the night. For tomorrow, they reach their destination, and whatever may await them there. Holy fuck. She's going to need a minute. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That was the scene. (laughs) I got to do those emotional stretches. (laughs) I think I sprained something, you guys. I wasn't warmed up. I wasn't warmed up. It's a terrible day for rain. It's a terrible day for rain. (laughs) It's bright and early the next morning. Angelica, you wake up. Kieran, who has taken the night watch, comes down, opens the door, all dramatic-like, leans up against the threshold. Darlings, I'm tired. Can someone else take the helm for a bit, please? Angelica is already getting dressed. She's buttoning her captain's coat up. She'll stride across the room in her boots over to Kieran and take his face in her hands. Darling... You have done so beautifully over the last few days. Thank you, my love. Thank you. Now, you can go to sleep. Okay. But I need you to tattoo Mr. Barcroft first. Oh, right now? He will drown otherwise, sweetheart. Oh, let me get my stuff. 
It does not have to be fancy. Some filigree or something for him. Okay. Yeah, I think I can do that. You look ravishing this morning, by the way. Gracias, mi amor. And she will tilt his head down so she can kiss his forehead. Begrudgingly goes over to his area and starts setting up needles and everything. And uh, Wesley comes by with Mr. Barcroft. Mmm. Hi, Captain. I got it for you. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. I'm away. And he runs off. Oliver is rubbing his eyes and uh, looks as though he's just woken up himself. Uh, yes, Captain. I'm right here. Ready to go. Whatever order you have for me, I'll see it done after I've had my coffee. I'm afraid coffee will have to wait. Sit in that chair over there and do not get up until Kieran says you are finished. What's this about? You wanted to be a pirate? Yes. Pirates on my crew have these. She pulls the collar of her jacket down to show off the thorn tattoos on her neck. He gets uncomfortably close to look at the detail. You don't mean I get one of those. You'll want one. Trust me. My good man! (laughs) So with that, Diego walks in and is able to catch Oliver and put him back in the chair. And in his other hand, he has a coffee pot and some cups. But instead of giving the captain a cup, he pours himself a cup and gives the captain the whole carafe. He knows it's going to be a battle day. (laughs) Oliver sits down in the chair. So do I get to design it? Have you already done one? Uh, Well, I mean, I had this in mind. No, no, that won't do. That won't do at all. No, no, no. And Kieran's like staring at you, Angelica, with the, I will do this, but you owe me. She just calls over to Oliver. Mr. Barcroft. Uh, Yes, Captain. Time is of the essence. We cannot be picky about artistic flares. Yes, but I'm up to artistic interpretation, but it is going to be on me for the rest of my life, which could very well be in the next five minutes, of course, but... She gives him a very dark look. Sometimes we do not get to choose the things that mark us. Pipe down and let my partner do his work. Duly noted. Yes. Mr. Kieran, was it? This will do nicely. Sile stands up next to you, all dressed in her regalia, like getting ready for whatever. She's got her archer's glove on. She just takes a deep breath of, like, the air as it's blowing by. (sighs) I'm excited. Are you excited? Are you kidding? Of course I'm excited. We're finally going to get some answers about this golden apple. All while sticking it to the ATC. My sails are full to bursting. Could you take the helm? Aye, Captain. Thank you. You're the best. I love you. I love you too. Now go. And she gives Saya a quick kiss before heading off to give the crew instructions. <laughs> she like slides down the like railing of the stairs. <laughs> got that like lovey look in her eyes just like i love it when she gets like this <laughs> it's my wife so she will call to diego and the brothers and she says cazadores they all line up i want every boarding weapon and tool you can muster we're going to be getting our hands dirty today uh, we are starting with music already captain thank you <laughs> get the wet stones ready then she will go down and find dala Miss Bronson. Captain. I'm going to need you to construct this. And she slides a piece of paper over to Dala, which has a rudimentary sketch of something she would like constructed quickly and efficiently, not necessarily well. Dala's very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just takes the paper and like nods. 
and just immediately starts grabbing tools. Have Mr. Wesley help you and let me know when you're done. There is one other modification I will need ready before we engage the enemy today. Yes, ma'am. She leaves Dala to begin her work and then into the captain's quarters again where Angelica is speaking with Amboise. So that's about the plan. What do you think? As always, it's classic. It is bold, somewhat reckless. What could go wrong? So much. That's why I have you, Viejo. Whatever unexpected things crop up, I will be counting on you to help solve them. (laughs) It's going to be a long, long night. And then she will go and find the doctor. And Miss Elsenega. You're in luck. They're in the same place. Mallory is currently coaching Miss Elsenega about what it's like to go through the ways because we are going to need to port her out of here before any sort of battle. So you mean to tell me I cannot open my eyes at all? Not at all, but it's all right. I've got some very useful and very thick blindfolds and I think I can make you some pretty decent earplugs in the meantime and that'll keep out all of the nasty ways shit. Wait, earplugs? Is there something I shouldn't be listening to? Don't, don't listen. Don't even pretend to listen. Blindfold earplugs and just walk with Amboise. He'll take you very quickly, very smoothly. Nothing's ever gone wrong when he's guiding you. The day, don't look at me like that. <laughs> okay, listen, they might be lying. I'm not going to tell Alfar that. Well, here's the thing. I don't know that I want my Porte to be using up his abilities shuttling people. I think Angelica stops when she sees Alvara. Ah, Miss Asiniga. I'm afraid your passage with us will require a certain price. Are you going to give her the tattoo? They sort of mouth the tattoos. And the audience can see on Mallory, there is also a set of tattoos that look like several open eyes all linked together in little chains around their neck. I knew it would come to this. I'm afraid I won't be able to pay any passage. You see, I, I don't have any money. Fortunately, you will be able to pay the cost with the knowledge you already possess and a few inches of your skin. Alcinega's eyes go wicked wide and she takes two (laughs) steps and stands behind Mallory. No, no, it's really, it's not... To decorate. Come on, Captain. To embellish. Why do you have to put it like that? You will need some of these. And she gestures her tattoos again. (laughs) Is this the only way? I'm afraid, unless you would like to be dropped off in a dinghy, that this is for your own safety. Consider it like a lifeboat. Uh, This is also sudden. If I were to get a tattoo, I would want it to be something important. This will be important to you. I don't know. Dr. McCoy, I... I'm afraid I must insist. I assure you it is for your safety. And to ensure we maintain our tactical advantage. Captain, while I do appreciate your concern for my safety, I will not be doing anything permanent on my skin. So, I will just have to teach them about Mehendi. And I would want it to be... She's looking around as if trying to find a certain someone. I believe the rest of the Iglesias brothers are in the brig right now, Miss Alcidiega. Mallory motions to the trap door that leads down into the brig where they're getting ready. She'll actually walk over and peek down at the hatch. Yeah, it's shirtless men montage down there. (laughs) (laughs) It's Baywatch down there, boys. They're just all working in slow motion. There's like steam coming up from somewhere. It's hot as fuck. <laughs> like the sweat glistening on their chiseled bodies. Everybody's like oiled up for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they're all <laughs> shirtless. 
doing nothing productive, but it looks really cool. Unnecessary close-ups to Diego's hand sharpening the blade, to Paco tying leather around knives, Enrique's mustache. Oh, <laughs> it's waxing it. He's going to make it look good. <laughs> Just going through the poses. Is it cool when I do this? What about this? Does this look more intimidating or does this? And Miss Alcinega is having a very hard time tearing her eyes away, but eventually she does and looks at you, Angelica. Could you tell me what Alejandro's favorite swords are? Angelica just looks at Alvara, then at Alejandro. Alejandro is currently in the process of wrapping leather around the boarding axes to make sure they don't slip. Then back at Alvara. While Alvara's gaze is generally looking at Alejandro, she is specifically watching his hands. You know, he's the one that snores. I find that rather endearing. Oh, God. And she kind of like eyes are... <laughs> back to Alejandro. Angelica just closes the hatch slowly. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Alcinega. That'll be all for now. Ah, see, si. si, of course. <laughs> I, I should go get some fresh air. Dr. McCoy, it does get rather hot in here. You should perhaps consider changing the lining. Oh, he's just vaguely miffed by the whole affair. <laughs> I mean, they're fine. Yeah, sure, you know, big, strong Castilian boys, whatever. Careful now, Doctor. Those are my brothers you're talking about. <laughs> Tell Mr. Alder whatever you would like. He's to tattoo on you. And that I will owe him double. Double of what? He'll make a scene about it, but just double whatever he wants. All right, all right. The last little prep scene is just Angelica having the Iglesias brothers carry forward this little lifeboat. And it's not well constructed, but... It clearly looks like it could float for at least a little while. It should be the colors of the last boat that we sank. That's right. Blue and gold, probably. Most likely. Yeah, it's just being hoisted over the side of the ship so it can be lowered into the water. Angelica's looking on, standing there with her arms folded and glances at Mallory. What do you think of your first command? What do you mean? I explained. We will be sending this ahead. Someone will need to pilot it. Yes, and whoever that is will just need to know that it's about a five-minute fuse once it's lit, and you'll have about that time to get into the water and swim back. Mallory, I trust no one else to know the fuses better than you. It has to be you. We cannot use the thorn lens, and I need all the bodies I can get on the ship. All right. I do tend to prefer a ship with a sail on it, but this will do. Angelica leans over the side of the ship and whistles for Ruby. There is a splash... And two slaps of a rather large tail, as Ruby is now beside the thorn. She tosses a little fish over the side, and then looks at the doctor. You shouldn't have to worry about throwing it all, Mallory. And she hands them a coil of rope, and then turns around and goes back to do some other thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that really was their last main problem with this plan, wasn't it? Your weak nerd arms! Now I have no excuse. You hear Coco faintly in your head. Doctor, the excitement in you is nearly volatile. Care to inform me? Oh, you didn't hear? No, I was resting. Coco, darling, you're gonna love this. Of course. I love anything you do. Mallory blushes quite deeply. Just you wait. Lucky for you, I have the patience of eons. 
and they get into the boat and they tie a quick little harnessy situation and offer it to Ruby. I know this is maybe a bit demeaning for someone of your stature, but um, I don't suppose... Ruby rolls over on her belly so that you can put the harness on her. Aww. Oh, I'm going to owe you so many toys when we get back. <laughs> and Ruby is ready to pull these reins. We see the doctor in their little boat with a bunch of potato sack dummies dressed like ATC soldiers. Yep, it's a full lifeboat, but only one person in it. And a recreation of the flag of the HMS Derelict, the ship we sunk. Mallory has also taken one of the recovered ATC jackets and is currently wearing it. For all intents and purposes, they look like a surviving ship of ATC crew. I do believe that's all the prep work done, which means the only thing left is to set the scene as two black bars begin to shrink the screen. The camera is panning across the Newman landscape, giving us a bird's eye view of the gorgeous seaside. In the pre-dawn glow, the sheer cliffs are glittering white, like brilliant crowns rising out of the maw of the sea. As we crest the rocks, we are met with a fleet of ships docked at a makeshift harbor. We zoom in to watch these sailors on the decks, carrying some crates and other various cargo. A canvas tarp slips enough that we see the trading company logo stamped on them. We fly over those ships and witness the sea beginning to roil and churn in the bay, creating the unmistakable current of a maelstrom. And out against the horizon is a veil of early morning fog. It brings with it a gray wall, the hunter ship Thorn, hiding within. A storm approaches and the ATC has no time to brace for impact. Yes! That's the shit we love. That's my shit right there. Should we maybe go to the writer's room? A pirate through and true. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Here we go. <laughs> Hi there, friends. You know the drill. Refill what you gotta refill. Empty what you gotta empty. And take a break with us while we tell you about the wonderful people who were kind enough to sponsor us. We here at the Writer's Room are extremely fond of immersion. And the Crafty Gamer helps us do that with their line of soy-based candles called Aromas of Adventure. They are designed to enhance immersion through scent to bring you to your favorite tavern or to your local bakery or perhaps a dragon's den. Wherever it is that you're going in your game, they're sure to have one most befitting the setting. If you're in the market for Aromas of Adventure and other tabletop-inspired merchandise, visit thecraftygamer.com. And if you use the code WRITERSROOM, all capitals, no spaces, you'll get 10% off your next purchase. So why not get immersed? And while we're on the topic of immersion, Many Worlds Tavern is also a delightful way to really get you in the game. They are an online coffee company that provides coffee for your game night and tea for your tabletop. All of us right now are extremely fond of Sacred Spring, which is one of their uncaffeinated spiced teas. With notes of spices and dark juicy fruit, Sacred Spring tastes like a mulled wine. It reminds me of falling leaves and cozy sweaters by the fireside. 
And their normal line of tea and coffee is not the only thing. They also have a flagship product called Treasured Realm. On the first of every month, they release a limited edition batch of coffee, which only a thousand bags are ever made. And every order comes with a bunch of goodies. A numbered card, a limited edition sticker, a D&D 5e magic item, and a set of dice. So, if you're in the market for more immersion and to stay hydrated, go to manyworldstavern.com. And the first 100 friends to use the code WRITERS10, all capitals, one zero, at checkout will receive 10% off your order. And the other reason we love Many Worlds is because they give back to the community. Every dollar of each bag purchased is donated to gaming-related nonprofits. Now, we here at the Writers' Room are big supporters of real art by real people in all of their creatively expressive forms. If you're members on our Discord and active on our socials, you will have seen all the incredible illustrations made by the lovely and talented Emery Chelsberg, who voices Dr. Mallory McCoy on the show. We have official Fate of the Thorn masterpieces, and if you head over to his gallery using the link in our description, you can purchase those fine prints for yourself. And know that 100% of those proceeds go directly to him. And keep a weather eye out on the horizon for more gorgeous art as we continue to sail along. And speaking of artisans, we'd like to take this time to talk about the delightful Brittany Muth, who plays Dalla Bronson. While she portrays our shipwright and doctor on the show, she has an incredible gift for crafting ceramic pottery. From mugs and dishware to vases and cups, these one-of-a-kind pieces are handmade with love right in her Rhode Island-based studio. Gregory and I own a few of her teacups, and we cannot wait for her next shop drop on July 5th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Her wares tend to sell out fast, so make sure you bookmark oceanbluceramic.square.site so you don't miss out. Oh, and if you use the code BIGLADY, B-I-G-L-A-D-Y, all capitals, at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. Greg, make a note of that. And last, but certainly not least, we'll take this moment to shout out our Kofi officers. Raven, V, Nightingale, Covington, Stewart, Tarkin, Cheshire, Thrith, and Durs. Thank you so much for helping us keep this crazy ship afloat. If you would like to join the ranks of these fine folks, as well as myself in the writer's room at the top of each episode, sign up to be a part of our Kofi crew. Every donation you make directly funds the podcast, so we can continue to make more of the pirate content you crave and love. Whew. Thanks for sticking it out with us and taking a break. And remember... All of the links to our sponsors, as well as the respective discount codes for them, are in the description of this article. Now, let's get back to the story, shall we? Alrighty, so who's got an approach for me? Let me reset the scene for you. As you're approaching, you've got a storm kind of covering you. There's a maelstrom about to happen, and there are one, two, three ATC ships blocking your way. Only three? Only three. Oh, I thought there was a full harbor of ships. Would you like more? Uh, do you <laughs> yeah, want can we get more? some more? All right, yeah. fine. Can we get one for each of us? Hey, you hey, wait, 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 wait. Can it cost you some danger points? Ooh. 
You know what? I'll spend a danger point for each of you. I'll wipe my board clean <laughs> of danger points. There are now seven ships. Natalie, why? Let's go, baby. <laughs> Delicious. And an animatic of that clip, three ships, and it's like, boop, 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 three. I thought there was more. The outline of ships along the harbor is like, I thought the harbor was full of ships. And you just shove a fuck ton of ships in the harbor. And it's like, all right, fine. There's seven of them. The rest of the crew is like, no. And Angelica's like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Did we have time to make another six lifeboats? Do we have time to make new characters? <laughs> <laughs> Dala. Backup characters, I should specify. <laughs> we do. They're called Wesley. Oh my god. And Gabriella. Somebody could play Ruby. We do. They're called the Iglesias brothers. Yes. Oh my god. Oops, all NPCs, because we killed the main cast. <laughs> all right. So who's got an approach for me? I've got mine. Speak. Well, it's wits for sure. And then I'm tempted between sailing and warfare. The thing I want Angelica to do in this fight is a very fancy sailing maneuver. So I'm tempted to go sailing for that reason. Like, it is her plan, but it's a team plan of attack. So it's not just her directing people from afar. She's actually in it herself. Yeah, that's definitely wits and sailing. Cool. Take two for flair. That's right. Gather your dice. Everyone take a hero point. I am commanding you all. Nice. Diego, you're going to be boarding ships and taking them as fast as possible so they surrender. You have specific orders to take neither of the two largest ships, but whichever one comes after that. Dalla, there is a maneuver happening with our ship that will require you and Mr. Wesley's expertise. Mallory, your goal is not to blow any of the ships up, but to catch as many of them on fire while they are still docked as possible. And Amboise, you are the wild card. You're there to handle whatever unexpected stuff might pop up. Because you're the Sorcerer Supreme. And I trust you to be able to handle that. Okay, I like it. Emery. I am doing wits and convince. I am timing a time bomb. Every decoy soldier in this fake lifeboat is packed to the brim with a new experiment of Mallory's. Oh god, all the dummies are barrels too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're barrels with little heads and little ATC mm -hmm. hats. They definitely have goofy-ass faces drawn on all of them. <laughs> yes, There's no do. way we didn't. <laughs> There's a very specific fuse they've got to set, and I also need to convince the oncoming ship that I am, in fact, a surviving crew of ATC soldiers. Take two for flair. Gather your dice. Anybody else? I was planning on stabbing people. <laughs> Do we want Diego swimming underneath the rowboat and splintering off? Because there's so many ships, the explosion boat's going to handle a couple. But Diego and probably some of his bros scuba dive, black ops. Maybe hitch a little ride. Just hang on to the back. <laughs> Love that. That's so good. Yes, you are underneath the boat. As the camera is watching, Ruby is pulling this rowboat and Mallory is all dressed in the ATC uniform. The camera dips beneath the water and all four of the brothers are holding on to the bottom of the boat with special handholds that Dala has made. There we go. That sounds like either brawn or finesse and weaponry is what I'm hearing, Diego. Yeah, if we're going to be kicking all the way over there and then using weaponry, I think brawn is pretty strong. 
Brawn and weaponry, you've got it. Hell yeah. So yeah, we can bring blades and just pick up guns from the boats. There's enough officers with pistols that they will shortly not be needing. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Dala. If she's being asked to do something really specific by the captain, wits and scholarship. Take two for flair and gather your dice. Same thing for you, Diego. Take two for flair. Which leaves Amboise. It's definitely a resolve thing. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I'm not really sure. To be adaptable in the situation doesn't really fit in with the skills, so there isn't a particular one that really applies. What is your goal? What is the thing you want to accomplish in this action sequence? Do not know. Do you have major marks on any of the people in here? Because if you sent someone out to, like, board a ship and were able to get to them and, like, steal something and then go back... Major mark on a person is not a thing. Incorrect. You can put a major mark on a person. What? Yes, major marks are usually family members or blood lineage. It says, oh, a place or another person can only bear a major mark. Ah, okay. Okay. Hmm. But who would I have put him? When would I have? Hmm. Hmm. It could be a flashback to part of the prep work. It could be one of the Iglesias brothers. It could be Mallory. It could be anyone that's being sent out. Maybe take warfare? Do you have any skill in that? Emboss? Yeah, could you do like wits and warfare or something like that? So it's the skills you are using are using your brain to figure out what the problem is as you go. You're not going to like what happens, but I could do that. Not enough dice. Got two wits. Got zero warfare. And because you don't have any ranks in warfare, it would cost an extra raise to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Could you use notice? Resolve and notice. If something goes wrong, react to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, approach is done. Means it's time to gather the rest of your dice. So check those advantages, check those quirks, all that wonderful stuff. See if you can build your pools a little bit higher. Zoe, do you mind if to, like, pinpoint which ship I should go to, like, to figure out which one is the most likely to be explodable? If I use my signature item, this cool new telescope, to find a good target? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, everybody take a bonus die for sea legs. We're doing this shit on a ship. Oh, yeah! Yes, you are! Large is going to help with my kicking ability and also me beating the snot out of all of these guys once I get there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, in fact. Go ahead and take that die. Can I also use large? Yes, you can. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. If it doesn't grant you dice in the advantages description, I can't use it here? Technically, no. Could I get an extra hero point for committing to a dangerous course of action that I believe is destiny? (laughs) All right, I guess. Fantastic. All right. I can't think of anything else to beg Zoe for, so. (laughs) That's okay. I've got consequences for y'all. Gasp. Oh, boy. All right, let's hear him. All right. So the first consequence, which is very apparent, is the fact that there are seven fucking ships in your way. How did that happen? That's fair. It's fine. Y'all asked for it. One of us asked for it. Natalie, no! Natalie, Natalie, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, she's the captain and she gets what she wants. At initiative three, those ships are going to break off from the barricade and, and start to head towards the thorn. Also, the maelstrom. Not necessarily an opportunity for y'all. It is still a thing of nature. It does not have sides. You can use it to help propel you, 
However, it's going to cost some extra raises to fight that current. Miss Angelica with the sailing is going to have to pump some raises to make sure that the Thorn not only gets propulsion out of the Maelstrom, but also gets out of its undertow. Other than that, uh, there's a lot of fuckery going on, guys. Uh, don't get killed. Uh, there are opportunities. Tell me when you find them. Can I use my virtue of the sun, glorious, and activate it when I'm the center of attention for the next risk when I determine raises and every die counts as a raise? Because once I get to the top of the deck, what the, fuck? the goal is to just go off and take the ship as quickly as possible. Fine. Zoe. It's fine. Yes, absolutely. Take all your fucking raises. You're gonna need it. You got seven fucking ships ahead of you. Incredible. I should probably use more hero points while we're free dice roll. Uh, I'm gonna use one for Amboise because after all the help with the drawer and everything, I'm sure he finds that his rapier and knives and weaponry is all extra, extra sharp and oiled and whatnot. Probably a few extra daggers in your kit. Love that, love that. And Boaz, if you'd like to take three extra dice from Diego. And I'm gonna use my recently gained helping hand to assist an ally, giving them three bonus die for a risk without spending a hero point as a buckler comes out of the water and lands in the boat. <laughs> Three dice? Yep, three yep. more dice. Goodness. Thank you. Oh, this is going to be insane. Anybody else want to spend hero points to help each other and or help yourself? Remember, when you help each other, you're granting three dice. When you're helping yourself, it's only one. Hey, those Iglesias boys, they weren't oiling themselves up just for the look of it. They were using a pre-aerogel-like oil that makes them just slide through the water. Easy, boys, easy. And that's a... That's a Mallory invention right there. You're gonna be so fucking slippery. <laughs> Gotta be the slipperiest motherfuckers. Like fish. <laughs> I think you broke Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, hey Zoe, I know we're a yes and style production. You can say, shut up, you have enough dice already. <laughs> because uh, I'm not gonna lie, I have enough dice already. <laughs> well, you're helping Diego, right? So you're giving a hero point to him? I am giving a hero point, yeah. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. It doesn't have to be. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Y'all don't know how many dice I'm rolling on my side, so it's fine. Zoe, would Relentless come into play here? Are you committing to a course of action? I am refusing to leave well enough alone. Uh, not yet. Not yet. That's an in-progress kind of a thing? That's like if I give you the opportunity to walk away and you're just like, nah, I don't fucking think so. Okay. And then we already said that Dala is giving help to Mallory because of the boat's design. Did you already add those dice? Thank you for the reminder. I've added Dala's dice. Okay. Can I spend a hero point to help Angelica? I think there's some more like modifications that Dala has made to the ship. You are the only officer still on the ship with me that's still being played by a player. I think it'll be fun to have some stuff come up as things that Dala anticipated as part of the plan. I love that. Love it. Bet. Angelica, take three extra dice. Do it. You won't. Are we all set? And Boaz, what do you got? I'm going to need my raises still, but can I establish in advance that there is a major mark on Mallory? Sure. Okay. Nice. 
I swallowed a pint of blood. <laughs> Why? Oh no! Tangy. <laughs> you, you don't... <laughs> Not sure why. So it doesn't rub off in the ocean. And also so Ruby doesn't get too comfortable with me. He's like, ooh, ooh, I'm very interested. Why are you covered in blood? Nope. Sniff, no. Sniff, 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 sniff. <laughs> Bad girl. It's just a drop of blood. It's just one drop. I'm just nudging you with my nose. I'm just seeing if you're edible. Anyway, major mark on Mallory. <laughs> there is actually an opportunity here. It's Ruby. Ooh. Activating the Ruby opportunity will be seven raises. Seven raises. Okay. Good to know. From one person? From anybody. We could pull raises. Let's see after we roll. <laughs> Out of curiosity, how many dice is everybody rolling? I must know, because we were tossing around some big old numbers. Mm-hmm. Eleven. I'm at nine. Thirteen. Eleven, nine, thirteen, Anders. Thirteen. Ladies and gentlemen, Mallory is rolling seventeen dice. God. Holy shit. shit. Good. Do you want to fight some people? I have not even activated Spark of Genius, and for Zoe's sake, I don't think I will. (laughs) You might as well, right? Go off. Do it. Yeah, get Ruby. There's so many ships. (laughs) Oh, okay, you know what? This is absolutely part of Mallory's intended area of study, which is fluid dynamics engineering. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, in fact, rowing a boat, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) I'm using the Drama Dice app, so I just wanted to double check that my settings are right. The success target is 10, and then plus one dice, legendary traits, and exploding dice are all off. Yes, unless you have those things. No. Okay. Cool. I just want to check. Ladies, gents, and all in between, it is time to roll those bones. It's so many bones. All right, let's start doing math. Holy shit. Slaps the top of Devil Jonah's locker. This guy can fit so many bones in him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who has raise counts for me? A day? Five raises and zero traders. Oh, shit. Amboise, did we just do the same thing? I think we did. Hell yeah. No traders? None. Come on. Uh, You got one for me. Eight raises, one trader. Goddamn. I'll buy it. I'm also going to make that 12 raises, what with the addition of my four raises from Spark of Genius. I get raises equal to my wits. Zoe, if I have three ranks in sailing, I can re-roll one of the die that I have? Yes. One of them. Hmm. Can I get clever? There's how many raises you got? 13. 13 raises? Yeah, that's what Glorious does. It turns my dice into raises. Oh, that's (laughs) right. Holy shit, dude. Hell yes, Diego. 13, 13, 13. Zoe. <sighs> Fuck me. If we could have all fed me hero points and I could take out all the seven ships, it'd be fine. Oh, fuck, that would have been so smart. Diego just stares at all the ships and is like, I'm in love. <laughs> they explode. <laughs> oh, Hey, Zoe, you can just start making up shit at this point. Just start making up shit. I don't care if it's in the rules or not. Oh, look, guys, 12 more ships just showed up. (laughs) I do have a danger point now, thanks to Mallory. Use it wisely. Okay. Seven raises, no traitors. No traitors? That's what I got. You're fucking killing me. (laughs) Fuck. Y'all are gonna be the death of me. That's the idea. (laughs) Okay. Are we ready? May as well be. Yeah, buddy, let's go. Let's be cool pirates. Let's be fucking cool-ass pirates. This podcast is brought to you by Hopes and Dreams. 
hope they get crushed as much as mine were in this moment. Oh, God. You have seven ships. I do have seven ships, but I also have five heroes. I'll take three ships. You guys can have the rest. (laughs) (laughs) So how many do you think you could take? They're having this conversation with each other on the underside of the boat, just making bets with each other. (laughs) What do you think? Like 10, 20? (laughs) Leaving 50 for me? (laughs) <laughs> oh, it comes it. back around. It comes back around. I'm sorry. I don't speak demon. That's so good. It's such a layered joke. You broke Zoe. We can't play anymore. Dang it. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Durs, I'm going to need you to take a hero point, please. <laughs> of all the things he doesn't need right now. Oh, no. I need the hero points. Trust me. Gonna turn those into big damage. Ooh, that's mm. true. All right, let's see it happen. Hey, Diego, you're you got fucking thirteen raises, buddy. You're at the top of the initiative. Let's fucking go. So, was instructed to swim for not the first ship, not the second ship, but the third ship. They climb up to the rails. And they know they have at least a little bit of time before they get noticed and everything. So they're searching around to figure out who the captain and who the first mate are. Because they're going out first. We pan over really quickly to a fuck ton of ATC soldiers scrambling on the top deck of a ship and going, I think I see something! They grab the spyglass and flip it out and and we can see through the spyglass and it's just a storm and then a maelstrom. Captain! pan over to a captain. Hold fast! First mate's the guy with the spyglass, the captain's up at the helm. Take the camera. Show me. So, as the rain's going, and this captain is getting ready to shout, hold, he begins to hold two daggers in around the neck and chest area. A few people notice this as the captain begins to fall, and their eyes immediately go towards the first mate, the next person in charge, and they see as his spyglass ladders down to the ground, and he does two with a couple axes thrown in, because you always have to use two on these. You can't just one, it's too risky. <laughs> Four of the Iglesias brothers immediately decide to go below decks. The rest of the crew who's up on board is like, huh, we should probably go down and stop those guys, but well, we'll just take care of this one guy. Meanwhile, the one guy begins to get very loud and is charging around the people who are beginning to pull their swords out. And he is sprinting through, chopping rope, chops a guy, chops a rope, chops a guy, chops a rope, chops a guy. Chops a rope, chops a guy. <laughs> do you know what the Iglesias brothers never get to do? What do they never get to do? Fire the cannons. Oh my god. Because we got no fucking cannons on this shit. Yes. Hell yeah. They're perfectly positioned. Love that. Once they decide, they're like, hey, that guy's firing on us. We should sink that ship. Then that's when we leave. Love it. Good stuff, Diego. How many races are you putting into that? Take out captain, first mate, and get below decks to fire a few cannons off. Five. This is going to be fun. Five races. (laughs) Boom. All right, and I'm gonna spend this danger point for later. From below, we hear, <laughs> and then another grito gets yelled, <laughs> and those cannons 
smack into the opposite ship right across the way. There's just confusion, and they're starting to get spyglasses out, and as they're doing that, the Iglesias brothers and Diego, whoop, to the next ship. <laughs> that brings us to the highest initiative, which is Mallory at 12. Take the camera and show me what the fuck you're doing. As like the ships that are already kind of out in the water a bit more are distracted by the oncoming maelstrom, Mallory is taking this time to slip past those guys and get close to the ships at shore. They uh, row themselves, or have Ruby row them, right in between two ships that are on the shoreline. And Mallory leans down, and it becomes clear that if you look too closely at these dummies, they are straw scarecrows, basically. But, like, as Mallory nudges the jacket on one, you can see that each one has a small barrel inside it with a fuse. And when they set the fuse in just a few minutes, there is going to alight an explosion of pine tar, quick lime, and refined whale oil, which will light the entire ocean in the area on fire. The water itself will be aflame, and because it is Mallory, that flame is going to be a brilliant cobalt blue. How many raises do you want to put towards this? Let's start with four. One to do your thing. One to row the boat over without getting caught. One to position the rowboat between two ships and another for the fuse. How long do you want the fuse for? It's a five minute fuse. All right, there's a new consequence slash opportunity on the scene. At the top of initiative five, this rowboat is going to blow. It is going to deal four critical hits immediately to whatever ship it hits and four dramatic wounds to anybody nearby. Cool. They give Ruby a tug. All right, girl, let it go free. These waters are about to get very nasty for you. And Mallory is going to pretend something spooked them and fall out of the boat. They're so tired from all of this oh, rowing. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God, it's just the Elizabeth Swan. Like, oh, I feel faint. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. All right, the camera falls in the water with Mallory and then speeds through the water to catch up with the Iglesias brothers as they are swimming towards the next ship. Show me what you're doing. Perfect. The next boat we go to will have been close enough that they'll recognize that there was some chaos on the first boat. So there'll be some more swords drawn and people at the ledges. So for that... The plan is going to be to jam up their anchor, which should be easy enough. It just takes any sword that's not a rapier and jam it into one of the chains because then they can't pull the chain through wherever they need the chain to go through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wonderful. How many raises is that? Raise to quietly and raise to get the sword in and sort of bend it a little bit so they can't just slide it out in two seconds. They've got to have some brave short straw drawn motherfucker get over the edge of the boat to try to unhook it okay so it sounds like two yes okay all right we're gonna hop back to mallory really quick because they have eight so yeah after mallory jumps out of the boat they are gonna go find the other boat at the shoreline that they could not reach with the range of this explosion and they're gonna try to board it we're going to try to find a rope hanging off the side of this other ship and try, undetected, to, like, shimmy our way up and try to, like, sneak in through one of the portholes because they're so tiny and scrawny and they can just do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spend a raise and it's done. Raise spent. So you're still technically at the top of the initiative, so spend a, a few more here. All right. So we're going to go inside and 
I guess we're gonna go into the captain's quarters, because that's where all the fun shit is. Love that. Mallory is huffing and puffing from climbing, soaking wet. Nowhere near as attractive as the dripping, wet Iglesias boys. It pans across all these gorgeous Iglesias boys with the water dripping off of it, and then there's Mallory, just like a wet dog. <laughs> wet dog. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> this scrawny, bony, pale thing <laughs> climbing up the side of the deck like a goblin. You head to the captain's quarters. Captain's quarters is occupied right now, as the captain is in there. Now, this captain is not your typical ATC captain that you've run into before. This captain is a little bit overweight, got some meat in the jowls. He's wearing a wig that looks a little bit too small for his head, and he seems to be scrambling to get things in a pouch and leave. He is grabbing papers, opening drawers, shoving whatever he can into this knapsack that he has, and he's mumbling to himself. I should never come on this damn excursion. This was the stupidest idea I've ever had in my life. Reginald, how dare you? Mallory does a little stomp of attention. Uh, turns around and faces you. What is it, soldier? I don't think George Rock would be very pleased to see you turning tail like this. George Rock can suck my... Mallory, you open your eyes to find that the man is no longer standing in front of you. In fact, he's not standing at all anymore. There are small little fires starting in the captain's quarters now. The back windows are completely shattered. And the knapsack is at your feet. <laughs> You'd have better luck with Rudd. Alright, what's in it? Mostly papers just kind of like shoved in there. You're pulling them out and like smoothing them to, to read them. They're in Numenari. I can't read Numenari, can I? Yep, it's not a Thayan language. And it's not a dead one either. Yeah. Do any of them look particularly important? One of them has a picture of a tree on it. Oh, yes. All right. Coco. <laughs> you can activate Coco if you want. Spend a raise. All right, I can't read this. Can you? All right, open my eyes, please. Is that going to be too much? Just open my eyes, Mallory. All right, all right. And Mallory reads the letter Coco's eyes. They have found the garden. They can't remove the apples just yet. There is a moat of what appears to be black water. They've lost at least a dozen soldiers to it now. Ooh. That's terrifying. That'll bring us to sevens. Now, Angelica has seven, but there is a captain out here that also has seven. We see a person flashing a mirror over at the other ship at the very edge of the harbor. We pan over to that ship, and it's not a typical ATC ship. In fact, it's not an ATC ship at all. And as we're panning up the deck, we notice that the people that are dressed here are in rags and everything, but they do have a bandana that denotes that they are with the ATC. These are privateers. And we watch as a man steps from the captain's quarters. And we could just see his boots. Sir, they appear to be firing upon each other. Camera's panning up this man. We see that he's wearing slacks and a big bandolier belt and a couple of pistols attached to his chest. And he's wearing like a half coat with the sleeves ripped off. As we get to his face, Angelica, was there a rival pirate that maybe you're not on great terms with? 
I think before Angelica met Saya, she sailed away from Aragosta with a particularly dashing young pirate captain who promised her the world mm-hmm. and who wound up screwing her over so that she wound up serving time in a Crescent Empire prison while he made off with the ship and the loot. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. You want to tell me that pirate's name? Oh, God. You're going to put names on me, too? Yeah, I'm going to put names on you. All right. Keep your brain. Activate. Um, what nation is he from? Yeah, what, what nation? nation is he from? You have to give me that, at least. Aragosta. Well, God damn it. His name is Johnny Depp. Fuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> Captain Blackbeard. No. <laughs> Steve Bunt. <laughs> Fuck. stops like his thing. Yo, shout outs to that pan from the boots up. We love a pan from the boots up. His first name is Matteo, and I need an Italian last name, because he's Vidacci. For sure. Matteo Colombo. Matteo Columbus. Give us another reason to hate him. <laughs> Matteo Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Matteo Lombardi. Matteo Lamborghini. <laughs> How about Tarani? Matteo Tarani. Yeah, I like it. It's going to sound good when you snarl it out when you see him. Matteo Whiplash Tarani. Whiplash is... Oh, (laughs) fuck. Oh, his weapon is a whip. It's a whip! We got it. That's a character right there, boys. That's a character. A chiseled gentleman, hair kind of swooped a little bit, opens his hand out, a hat gets put in there, he nestles it on his head a little bit, and we hear a... As the whip comes out. Fuck. And on the edge of the whip is a spyglass that he grabs, <laughs> flips it out, <laughs> looks at it, and we see the ocean, and we see the storm, and we see the ATC ships, and then he focuses in on the storm a little more. And we see the hull of the thorn, and he closes the spyglass against his chest, puts it in a pocket, coils the whip up. Boys. Get my room ready. My ex is in. Sir. He's spicy. Excuse me, Captain Tarani. (laughs) Okay, listen. Fight first, fuck later, you know? Come on now. Buy me dinner first. Sink a ship for me first. Apologize for abandoning me and leaving me in jail first. Goodness. (laughs) Captain Tarani is going to spend three raises to begin sailing towards the Thor. In the good ship, Heartbreaker. Nice. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck, this is so good. You brought this upon yourself. I've made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and his name is Matteo Tarani. You've created him. He is coming back to bite you. He knows how to do that so well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Now I'm sweating. I got you. You got me, Zoe. (laughs) The thought of my vessel being boarded. Oh, gosh. Angelica, seven races, let's go. Oh, my God. You can see the heartbreak from miles away because it is this gaudy pink and purple ship with a big fucking, like, tribal stupid heart with, like, a skull in the center of it. Oh, he just gets worse at every turn. He's hot, but boy, does he have poor life choices. 
you know that his ship, while gaudy, is very fast. Right, but it's not been designed to withstand a maelstrom, has it? When was the last time you saw it? Uh-oh. There could have been changes made. He doesn't appear to be perturbed in the slightest about what is happening with your ship. I hate a glow up. Bastard! He's still so fucking attractive! <laughs> oh, I hate him so much! Look at this stupid smug face! <laughs> she calls to Saya. Mistress of the tops, bring in our sails! Take us off the wind and furl all canvas! Aye, Captain. Miss Slatley, please assist Saya with the tops. Aye. Andale! I want the lines pulled and drawn up so that our sails are closed and we slow down so that he's approaching us with way more momentum and speed at this point. And I will call down to Oliver and Gabriella on the gun deck. Miss Cade, we are going to need the Thornlands after all. Get her loaded and primed to fire, Mr. Barcroft. Yes, Captain. I mean, I. The camera pans down to watch Barcroft and Gabriella. Master Barcroft, time for you to prove that going to school is worth a shit. Aye, Mum. I'd say it's worth several. (laughs) (laughs) So, as Mateo comes at us, I would like to use the Thorn Lance and position us such that just before his ship comes alongside ours, we fire our lance into him, and the differences in our relative speed will cause Mateo Whiplash Tarani's ship to violently snap at the end of our harpoon line and be flung into the maelstrom, like a game of Crack the Whip. Ooh! Take a fucking hero point. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yes! <laughs> this is so good. How many raises? Minimum of two. I'll spend three so that she can have a little moment with him as they pass by and the ships get close enough to each other they can have a little exchange. Love it. Like, literally, <laughs> like ships in the night. Mm-hmm. You maneuver it so that he follows you in and then there is that moment where the two of you are on deck. Yeah, she's right there too. They're both hanging off the shrouds of the ship. The ships are kind of like tilting a little bit, like you guys get closer and closer. And he leans in, all casual, like, his whip in one hand all coiled up, but he takes off his hat and flourishes it. Angelica, it's so wonderful to see you again. You're looking radiant as ever. What the hell are you doing working with the ATC, Whiplash? Cara mia, it's so much easier to be paid than to raid. I can put in a good word for you. You always did think with your wallet first. And you always came second, Amore. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it if at that moment, Saya fires an arrow down from the tops and knocks his whip out of his hand, and Angelica grabs him by his collar and pulls him in close before the ships pull apart. I don't have to fake it with her. And she's going to use one of her knives to pin the sleeve of his jacket to the railing of his ship, and she gives him a little salute as the two ships move away from each other. You always said you wished you could meet my father, Matteo. Well, here's your chance. And he looks disheveled as possible, but then he leans his head up into the abyss. Full sails! Bring us into the weather gauge and all speed toward those ATC flagships! And we're going to try to get going as fast as we can again towards the other two ships coming for us. And as the two ships separate, that brings us back to Mallory. I'll go find the... What's the room with all the explosives called? The magazine? The magazine. That's the fun, fun word. Mallory's a thorough worker, and they're going to go find the magazine to set another fuse. I'm spending a danger point. Hmm. Figures. As you turn around to walk out of the captain's quarters, you get stopped by someone. More importantly, there is a pistol pointed at your chest. Oh, hello. 
Rude way to greet another officer. Hey, Mallory. Yeah? Who was the person you worked underneath when you were working for the ATC? Oh, shit. Her name was... Someone give me a Castilian name. Gloria. Gloria's good. Lamborghini. (laughs) (laughs) No, not Lamborghini. Gloria Martell. Let's go with that. Senora Gloria Martell is standing in front of you with a pistol directly at your chest. And when you look up at her, because she is taller than you, she has this terrible glare. I knew I'd find you on my ship eventually, little rat. Don't think that you can disguise yourself so easily. I don't suppose we can discuss (laughs) further employment? Consider your employment. And she cocks the hammer back. Terminate. And then she fires. Oh, oh fuck! What? <laughs> Mallory, you don't feel the gunshot. Oh, did you? I swear to God. And she stares at you. She's expecting you to fall over dead. Looks down at the gun. Looks at you. There is a shadow that rises up behind you. And her eyes are looking at you. And then she looks up and up at Diablo Azul. Mallory decks her with the buckler. (laughs) And Mallory's also like, ow! You hit her with the buckler, she goes fucking sprawling on the floor. I'm out. I'm gone. I'm diving. And you feel like you're falling, but you're actually floating. Are you going to go back to the ship, or are you going to go to land? Yeah, I'm going to make it to land. I'm not going to try to make Coco carry me. You land on the beach, and you hear in your head, I'm fine. Run. I said run! Mallory gets up and starts running away from the shoreline. How many raises is this? One raise to knock out Gloria, one raise to invoke Coco to help you escape, and another raise to get the fuck away from the rowboat. Let's do it. That brings us to sixes. Diego, tell me what you do with that last ship, bud. It's just going to be bodies hit the floor, and and when they storm on board, someone's going to be like... This boat belongs to the ATC, and it's just Diego going, not anymore. Yes! How many raises are you spending to take over the ship? I'm going to say it's going to be at least four. Yeah, we can do four raises, and we'll throw a hero point, because I just got one, so. Because he's using his fist to go around and punch people, give him some extra wounds. Okay, throw a hero point at it, yeah. So as you're going through and you're taking the ship, it doesn't take very long. Some of the Iglesias brothers go underneath. They bring out a bunch of people. A lot of these soldiers are younger and they don't really want to die for this cause. So they surrender immediately. However, as one of the brothers comes up with a younger kid, probably like maybe 14, 15, holding the kid by his scruff of his neck and pushing him forward, The kid turns around, and you see a quick movement, and then the kid bolts and dives over the edge. Which brother is it? Oh, man. Paco. Paco's standing there, looks down, and we see several stab wounds in his gut, and they're starting to bleed through. He holds out a hand to reach for a railing for something, and begins to fall. Time slows down, and Diego's legs strain, fighting against every second. He races across the deck of the ship as rain pelts down around him, sliding on his knees to catch Paco's limp body in his arms, his left hand cradling his head. 
He's holding his stomach and he's looking up at you, confused. Eh, hermano? It's fine, look how low that is. Here, apply pressure. Tulio, get over here! Eh, hermano, hermano, it's, it's gonna be okay. It's, uh, it's just a little cold, that's all. Oh, just a little cold. shut up! No. Shut up! Tulio comes over and slides next to you. Alejandro runs over and we hear Enrique barking at everyone. Nobody move! If any of you move, you're dead! Tulio looks down at Paco and looks up at you, Diego. We need Dalla. Diego hands Alejandro, who is a much faster climber than Diego is, the shits hit the fan flag to run up the mast. Alejandro bolts. You've never seen him climb a mast so fast. Diego Paco reaches up to you and puts a bloody hand on the back of your head. You're gonna name this ship after your son. And then Paco's hand falls limp. Not anymore! (laughs) (laughs) How dare you you make me laugh at a time like this? How dare you? I don't know if I'm laughing or crying. It's both! It's both! Hermanos! And Diego is going to start removing every ATC officer from this ship. And we are at fives, which means, as the camera snaps back over to the beach, we watch Mallory running, and behind them, the rowboat explodes, taking out the three ships that were docked there. There are plumes of smoke, yes, because there is fire, but because of your special chemical reaction, it is not the wood that necessarily lights. And Mallory, having just been uh, momentarily thrown to the sand by just the force of it, watching with equal parts fascination and horror as blue fire consumes the ocean, we have this dawning realization that they should really get some new measuring instruments. And as they scan the chaos, then they see the blood-red flag rising up from one of the deep-water ships. Oh no. They run for the water's edge, and they're whistling for Ruby. Ruby is swimming as fast as her thresher shark tail can to outswim the flames on top of the water. But she does find a small inlet and swims up to you. I'm so sorry, darling, but I need to get to that ship. The brothers are in trouble. Emery, are you spending any raises for Ruby here? Yeah, listen, y'all are going to want to see this. Trust me. Uh, all four raises. Done. All right, Mallory, you grab onto the harness that is still attached to Ruby, and you start swimming towards that ship. And Boaz, you see the flag rising. You know that they need help. Yep. So what are you doing? Let us put uh, another two raises into Ruby, because yes. I'll drop a hero point to get the raise. And now that the ruby tax has been paid, I hope you're all ready for the surprise I've been keeping this entire time. Mallory, as you're holding onto the harness, you feel something shift in ruby. She is moving through the water, churning it around her. She is creating a wake with her tail behind you. However, at the speed that she is traveling, you expect that tail to be whipping back and forth. It's barely moving. It is as though the water is parting out of Ruby's way. Ruby? 
And then Ruby takes a nosedive, bringing you with her, Mallory, beneath the surface. Now the tattoos on your neck and ribcage activate, glowing a deep teal blue. So you can breathe fine under here. And every time you blink, Mallory, she is getting larger and larger and larger. The camera cuts above to the ATC vessel where we see this massive dark shape speeding towards the ship until finally it erupts. This monstrous shark person looms over this ATC vessel at least five times its size. And she reaches onto her dorsal fin, grabs Mallory gently, and opens her hand onto the deck. And Mallory steps off the hand onto the ship. And Boaz, we're back to you. What are you doing now? While Mallory was being pulled by Ruby, since he can sense where his marks are, he had already walked off into the ways to make sure that he'd be able to get to it right where it was. Oh, nice. Love that. Oh, I love that. So when Mallory walks off the hand, Amboise <laughs> also Shit. walks off the hand? Yes! <laughs> there is a screaming of the world as a red portal kind of opens up on Ruby's fin hand. A red portal in a red hand. And Amboise, you're there. What the? It's Ruby. Okay. Okay, this is fine. This is fine. Diego had his sword up while the ATC were jumping off, and he was ready to face this creature and fight it off for his brother. But once he recognizes that it's Mallory, it's Ruby, he sheathes his sword, and then when he sees it's Amboise, he grabs Amboise by the arm and pretty much carries you over to Paco. Paco is lying prone on the deck with Tulio pressing down on his abdomen. Get him to Dali immediately. You think he will survive the trip? I will carry him if I have to, but realize I cannot apply pressure at the same time. Diego's got this. He'll carry him through. I only have space for one. Because the thing I forgot is that to make that mark that I put on Mallory, it also cost me a hero point at that time. Is this a points thing? I could throw hero points at this. That's not a factor. Durs, this is a moment where Diego has to trust Amboise. Diego ties the bandage around Paco's eyes and passes him over to Amboise. And piggyback on the shoulders. Slice. Slice. Tulio is watching. As soon as the portal opens up, he turns his head away because he has to. But he's holding on to your shoulder, Diego. Tighter and tighter and tighter until the screaming stops. And then he turns and it's gone. Amboise has got this. I'm going to spend two hero points as raises to have Diego pick up a dead ATC soldier over each shoulder and then toss them overboard as an offering to Ruby. We see as Diego drags his left thumb across his throat and then gestures with a right gauntleted index finger towards the ship that had been having some anchor problems and is now about to have some fresh new problems. Ruby smiles. One big hand sweeps up all of the bodies and sinks back into the ocean. We don't see what happens to those people. The ship is just getting lifted out of the water. Oh my god. Higher and higher and higher. It is rocked on the top of her head. She flips her head back, and the ship 
goes tumbling oh into God. the harbor, lands on top of another ship, explosions happen abound, more blue fire is happening because it's still on the ocean, and it's just toast. Wow. Holy shit. Angelica, Dala, I want you to finish up this scene. Angelica sees all the hatches on the sides of the ship opening up and their cannons rolling out, getting ready to blow us to smithereens. And she just smiles confidently and then calls out to her wife. Regal canvas, fly every sail we can bear. You heard the captain. Our sails catch the wind and we sail full speed, aiming to go right between these two ships. And she calls down to below decks. Miss Bronson, Mr. Wesley, take us down. Hi, Captain. Do Amboise and Paco show up? Dala, you hear the scream, and then you hear Amboise yelling. Dala, aid Matanon. How many raises do I need to spend to get Paco stable? It would be three raises to make him stable. Do you have time to do that? Because we're about to pull off a very time-sensitive maneuver here. That's my other concern. Is that three raises to get him stable and also get to where I need to be when Angelica needs me to be there? Yes. Okay. Dala knows that her thing's coming up. She is shoving them into the infirmary, throwing medical supplies at Amboise, and, like, working on Paco. Miss Bronson, what are you waiting for? throwing everything she can at Amboise. You gotta help me. I gotta go. So I will spend those three raises to get Paco stable. And then she's gonna look at Amboise and tell him to hang on. And she's gonna run. Wesley's at, like, the front of the ship below decks and Dala meets him up there. And they just kind of exchange a nod because they've gone through this before and they've, like, practiced it and acted it out. And there are these vents all along the ship and so they both start at one right at the front and then move to the next one and they're splitting up and trying to time it so they're both going at the same time and opening up these vents and so the ocean water is pouring into the ship and by starting at the front the nose of the ship is starting to go down and we are sinking the ship on purpose as it's still sailing forward i love it and Dala and Wesley grab onto little handles she put in, and there's one for Amboise in the infirmary. Everything's bolted down. Yes! And a special thing that Dala did just for Angelica is at the helm, Angelica can slip her feet into two little footholds, and so she's still standing on the deck of the ship, holding onto the wheel as it goes down below the waves. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Angelica is at the helm, She salutes the two ATC captains that have just called for their men to fire. And she turns to face forward again, clutches the bottle in her coat pocket, and she whispers, I hope you're paying attention. And they watch in horror as her ship dips below the waves out of range of their guns. We see the two ships unload on each other, but they're not firing at the thorn. They're firing at each other. Under the water's surface, Angelica and everyone else's gill tattoos activate. We're all breathing fine. And we just hear the muffled sound of cannon fire above and behind us. She pulls the bottle of water, which has the tiny replica thorn within it, out of her coat pocket. 
She pulls the cork, and the water in the bottle starts to drizzle out of it, but the water in the thorn is expelled as we rise and breach up out of the water again. Miss Bronson, close those vents! Aye, Captain. And in reverse, both you and Wesley close all the vents. Miss Cade, Mr. Barcroft, send what is left of them to the depths. Fire! There is nothing left of the backside of those ships. So that was two raises to do all that, to get the vents open and closed. Yep. Beautiful. How many raises do you have left after that? If I spent two, I've got two. I had three to heal Paco and two to get the vents open and closed again. I mean, that's every ship, right? That's every ship. Ruining the ATC's day gets me a hero point. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Do take that. God damn it, Terps. Fucking hero point sponge over there. (laughs) All right. Angelica, convert those raises into hero points. We're just going to wrap this scene up. Mm Mm-hmm. We see those two black bars come across the top and the bottom of the screen as we go into another cutscene. Ruby, using her massive body, has cleared a space for the thorn to weigh anchor, and so you do. Her hand touches down on the deck of the thorn, and Diego and the three Iglesias brothers step off. I want all of you to take a hero point right now. Oh no. As the camera goes to each one of you, I want you to describe to me what you're doing in the aftermath, with the context being that the audience cannot hear what you're saying. They can only see what you're doing on screen. We'll start with you, Angelica. Angelica is just on the ship with Saya celebrating that they pulled it off. All she sees is wreckage and no other ATC ships. So she's ecstatic. She's just at the bow of the thorn, cackling. Diego charges to get below decks. She goes to greet him. Primo, we did it! I cannot believe it! Angelica is knocked to the side. He's not even slow. Diego? And then the other three brothers come running. The edges of the camera grow dark, and the camera shakes as it speeds towards Dalla's office. And you see Paco on the bed. He looks like he's dead. You see Diego pleading as over his shoulders there are arms extended, holding a bottle of rum, a water skin. Dalla is cleaning Paco's wounds, assisted by Wesley. She's surrounded by the Iglesias brothers, her hands soaked in blood. You see her shaking her head as they frantically ask her questions, pleading with her to save him. We don't hear her say this as much as we see it on her face. He's stable for now, but I need more time. She grimly escorts the brothers out of the infirmary and closes the door. There is a chill feeling that touches Mallory's leg. They pull out the stone and find that it's been cracked through, not just rough and uncut, but fully cracked. And from the cracks there's dripping this silver mercurial blood. The bullet that Coco took has left him bleeding. The black bars recede as we linger on Amboise. You hear a voice behind you. Terminus, we need to get into the way. Why? Why do you need to get over there? Because we need to heal Mother. Can't you feel her pain? Ponders for a moment, and we see his eyes go red. 
fine. But you are not going to go by yourself. Do not touch the door. And they walk off to his door specifically. And Boaz, how many times have you opened the way by now? Let's see. Counting-wise, one, two, three. Huh. It's a good thing he's hard to kill. Because that's going to be dramatic rune number four. Spicy Christ. God. Fuck. Okay. The camera focuses on the door, and we faintly hear the scream from behind it as Amboise reaches for the handle. He opens it, we see the bleeding portal, and he steps in with Tia. And when the door shuts behind him, we cut to black. Da 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 da. Spicy Christ. Fuck. Oh my god. What the fuck? What do you mean, what the fuck? Oh, shush, shush, shush. Hush. You, you hush. You hush. You did the thing you're not supposed to do, Amphoas. No, he didn't. She didn't touch the door. Uh, uh, oh. Mm hmm. Any hoozles, I would like to take this moment to shout out the amazing and fantastically talented Gabe Hicks, who voices Matteo Tarani. If you don't know who Gabe Hicks is, there is a link in our description of this article to bring you directly to his website. They've developed several games, they've written for several more, they're an amazing voice actor and performer. You may have seen them on Dimension 20, running one of the Shriek Week episodes. And just recently, they wrote a children's book, A Kid's Guide to Tabletop RPGs. I cannot recommend them enough. And who knows? Maybe you'll hear more of him in the future. Uh, for the record, we're naming the ship the Poppy. Poppy? After Paco Antonio Pablo Iglesias. Oh. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, friends, fingers crossed that Paco makes it. And that Astra's gonna be okay, and God be with Amboise. Until then, we'll see you next time, friends. And remember, be safe and well. <laughs>